Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. So when I was thinking about Father's Day and I was wrestling through different, different aspects of Scripture, I started thinking about really something that I would u- normally use on a baby dedication. And I was thinking about the words of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6. But before I went there, I really was thinking about how do we create healthy, wholesome, and holy families. And what we often do as parents is we say, let's learn from our mistakes. That's a fair statement, right? Let's learn from our mistakes. And so when we look back and we see people who have made mistakes, all we do is oftentimes repeat the same mistakes they had made. And so we try to learn from dysfunction when oftentimes that is the worst form of learning. And there's a psychiatrist out there named Dr. Nick Stinnett from the University of Nebraska. And he was trying to define this whole idea of healthy, and he used the word wholesome, families. And instead of looking at all the dysfunctions that are going on in families, because every family has dysfunction, do I get an amen? Amen. Right? And all the parents and all the kids are going to say it a little bit louder. But what he did was he actually did a study globally. It wasn't just centered in North America. And he said, what are the top factors when you look at healthy, wholesome families Globally, what are some of the markers that have made those families healthy? And I thought that was brilliant because in our world, we're just kind of chasing the tail of dysfunction. Is that fair to say? We're chasing the tail of dysfunction. And so actually, we're not getting any movement in our lives. And so here are several of the things that he had learned when he looked at healthy, wholesome families. First, they're committed to the family social units. Sounds pretty good, right? They're committed to the family social unit. Two, they spend quality time together as a family. Three, they have good communication skills within the family. Okay, anyone freaking out right now? Or is everyone like, I'm tracking with you right now, right? Fourth, they consistently express appreciation to each other. Fifth, they apply problem-solving skills in times of crisis. Hmm, that's a tough one, because usually families are freaking out. And lastly, they have a commitment to a wholesome spiritual life. Now remember, who wrote this? Someone from the University of Nebraska. And so this is a secular school. It says as he's looked at families globally, one of the most important factors is they have a commitment to a wholesome spiritual life. And that's my prayer today, is that we would look at a passage of Scripture, and we would commit today, men, that we would want and we would desire healthy, wholesome, 
and holy families. Now, here's what we need to do. We need grace in this day. Because I bet you someone's going to come to church and has already had a fight with their spouse. (laughs) That was a little too loud. (laughs) You're in trouble today, my friend. Right? Or has had a fight with a child. Or this weekend. And Father's Day is either going to be a great day or a difficult day for some individuals. And my prayer for this morning is grace. To begin what God wants to do today. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this morning. And God, I ask you for great grace. I ask you that the words that you had spoken to Moses, the words you had spoken to Moses would be etched in our hearts. That God, that we would look at this as a a pathway, guidance, a lesson in parenting that pushes us forward because we want to see our children thrive. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Here's what it says. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Now that's very key when you think about this. These are the decrees and the regulations from the Lord our God collectively saying that they were all sitting under the same God that the Lord had told Moses to teach them. So this wasn't wisdom that he had thought of himself, but this was the wisdom that God was giving him while he was on the mountain seeking the face of God. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Now, let's look at the background of this passage. This passage is during the Exodus, and it's more towards the end of Moses' life. This is not the beginning or the middle of the ministry of Moses and leading the people out of, out of Egypt. It is in the, in towards the end of it. And when you get to Deuteronomy, it's a very different book than Exodus. You see, when you read Exodus, what you see is you see the journey, the stories, the narrative, the big moments, and you see some teachings But the moment you get to Deuteronomy, it's like the epilogue. It's like the teaching manual of all the things that God wanted the people of Israel to know about. And the people of Israel, the people of Israel had come from a place which they were living in a pagan nation. And not just a pagan nation, but a polytheistic nation, which there were multiple gods 
multiple gods that people would run to and worship. And when they didn't like the God that they were worshiping because they weren't getting the right answers, you know what they did? They ran to another one. And then 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 to another one. And whoever the Pharaoh was on the throne during that period of time, they were also a God-like figure. And it was a dark, a dark, a spiritually dark place. You see, what we think about oftentimes is that we think about we are living in the darkest times of society. And the reality is, is that it was just as dark back then. Spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. Because they were on the run. And so, towards the the latter part of Moses' life, Deuteronomy was a book of teachings. And I love what Moses, he says, he says, our God. And so when we come to the plant and we come together, we're saying that we are all coming to learn, learn under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're not bringing in contextual confusion, and we're not bringing in other theories or, or books. We're saying, no, as a church, we are studying under the word of God, So we can learn how God wants us to know him and to make him known and that we can learn to be holy and wholesome for him and for one another. So let's keep reading. Verse 4. Listen. Listen. Now stop right there. This word is very, very significant. It's not only listen, it's hear. Hear. The Hebrew word is shema, shema. It's a declaration. It's it's getting the attention of the people that the next thing I am going to say is the most important aspect of this lesson. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. And so when you see this, there's a couple things that we need to point out. First, who is Moses talking to? He's talking to the Israelites, the people of God. He's not telling the world this. He's saying, you who have been traveling with one another and walking this earth in a place called a wilderness slash desert who have been following God by day cloud, at night, by fire, you have seen all these wild things. Your God is one. Your God is one. And what Moses does is that he brings up the first and greatest commandment. Love your God. Love your God. Not your gods, but love your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul. And so what he first thing he does, he says one love, one God. Again, in a, pl- in a pluralistic, polytheistic society, where there are outside cultures that are constantly pushing in on the Israelites, 
The first thing that Moses says before he really dives into his teaching, he says, remember the first and greatest commandments. There's one God, there's one love, and all he, all he wants is all of you. And when you do that, something's going to happen. Something's going to transpire in your life. And oftentimes what we do is that we confuse the contextualization of Scripture. Well, we don't have idols. There's no more Zeus. There's no more Poseidon. There's, there's, there's no other more of these Greek gods that we would even say are a reality for us. Amen? Right? Those aren't realities. But we do have idols. We do have idols. We have tablets made of metal. We do have idols called our vocations. We do have idols called people or places of power or positions of power. We do have idols. Governmental structures are idols. Amen? Amen. Right? Those are truths. And we have idols. And you have heard me say more than ever during this COVID season that we are followers of God more than we are citizens of the United States. Amen. And that's a hard place. But the Israelites, they had to constantly be reminded that there are idols all around us. And if we walk into our homes or we go to our vocations, or we go to places where we find rest, I bet you we have just as many idols as back then. And the first thing that he says is, one love, one God. And I love that because it keeps the most important thing simple. It's like marriage. We can get wrapped up in everything else except for the most important aspect. Our commitment and our love for one another. Amen. When it comes to parenting, we can get wrapped up in so many other things rather than just seeing our children have a healthy, wholesome household which they can thrive in and we get caught up in everything else. Their accomplishments or the accomplishments in which we expect them to achieve because their accomplishments are actually idols in our hearts that become idols for them. Because the things that we worship, our children worship as well. And so here you have this moment. Here you have this moment. That Moses is saying, remember this. One God. One love. And it's all for him. Because the way we love God is the way we love others. My true understanding of my love for my Heavenly Father is the way that I manifest love for my spouse, love for my children, love for my neighbor, and even love for my enemy. Because don't forget, Scripture says, love your enemy. Amen. Only one amen? Do you have more amens than that? 
Come on, all right, all right. Aston's the only one with me today. So, let's continue. Verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Now, he says repeat them. There's actually different translations of the word repeat. So I want to talk about two of them. First, repetition and impression. Repetition and impression. When we repeat something, this is what we do. We are repeating what we value most. We are talking about what we value most. Repetition reveals that you believe what you are talking about. Right? Repetition believes what you are talking about. Repetition means that you function in what you are talking about. And the power of repetition is that something will become simple. When we repeat things to our children, we want these things to become fluent in their life. We want them to be simple. We want them to be the first thing that they're drawn to. But the problem is this, if we are repeating the wrong things, our children are going to make wrong decisions and they're going to say, but you told me to do it that way, right? It's one of the reasons why I never teach my children how to fix electricity or we will burn the house down. It's the reason why if I'm ever trying a plumbing problem in my house, I never say, hey, Luke, come and help me because he is going to flood his house just like I did my house in the year 2007 because I did that. And that's the problem with so many people. We just regurgitate dysfunction. We regurgitate dysfunction, and so what we do is we set up our families and one another to live dysfunctional lives. So we have Ty here. Where's Ty? Wave at me, buddy. How are you? Ty plays baseball. Ben, you play baseball too, right? Great. If these guys go to a bad hitting coach, if they go to a bad hitting coach, how are they going to hit? Badly, poorly, right? But the reason they go to a really good hitting coach is so that they can practice proper stances and proper ways to swing and proper ways to hit so that there is a fluidity that every time they step up to the plate, they are hitting in a manner that they have the best opportunity to hit that ball. I don't even like baseball. But one of the things I love is when that batter walks up to the up to the up into the, the, the batter's box, and they have the same repetition. Same repetition. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I love softball. I love teaching girls softball, right? Anna, right? You play softball. And the way you swing a softball bat is different than the way you swing a baseball bat for all you non-baseball softball players out there. But if I taught Becky how to swing like my Benjamin, she would not be hitting the ball. And she would have said, well, my dad taught me it this way. He says, repeat these things. What does he mean by repeat? Repeat that which is proper and holy. It's one of the reasons when you read scripture that the same narratives are repeated time and time and time and time again. It's the same reason in Deuteronomy 6 that he's repeating Deuteronomy 30. 
It's the same reason that it goes all the way through Scripture. And it's the very same reason why Jesus, on the Sermon of the Mount, when he asks what the greatest commandment, he begins with Deuteronomy chapter 6. What are you repeating in your home? I love the other translation. It says impression. Impress them upon your children. Impress. So I'll never forget the first ministry that I was leading. And, I was bring, and it was coming to a closure. It was coming to a closure. And I said, God, I want to leave a mark. And this is like how me and the Holy Spirit work. We're having a conversation. It was probably up at Ramapo Reservation. I said, I want to leave a mark. And I kid you not, this is what the Holy Spirit said. He says, why would you want to leave a mark? Because a mark is like leaving a bruise. And the Holy Spirit said, look at your hand. Look at your finger. Look at your fingerprint. Leave an impression. Leave a part of you, a part of your spiritual DNA with that group of individuals. You know what I love today? That two of my old youth kids are here in church today. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Impress them. Do you realize that your children are little impressions of you? Do you realize that when you get mad at your children, you're actually really getting mad at who? Yourself? No, my spouse. No, 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 not your spouse. You're getting mad at yourself. Because there's things about your children that you wrestle with yourself that you're saying, these are the things in my life that have to stop. And what they're doing is my dysfunction is becoming their dysfunction, and I hate it. And instead of getting mad at our children, we need to probably stop and say, is this a kairos moment, a defining moment where God is saying, as my children is re are repeating my folly, maybe it's time I deal with my folly so I can be begin repeating and impressing new ways of handling circumstances that bring about transformation. Amen. Repeat. Impress. What do you repeat to your children? What do you talk about most? Don't do this on Father's Day. This would be a really bad lesson. Give it two weeks. Take your kids out. Hey, what does dad value most? What does dad care about most? And whether you believe it or not, the thing that comes out of their mouth first is the truth. It's a truth. And it's in that truth that God either wants to encourage you or sharpen you. And so, I love what he says. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Your home is your greatest classroom. Your home is your greatest classroom. And so when we look at our homes, it's like they're coming home to, to the second half of school. Men, 
Are we prepared the moment we come home from work saying, like, we're not going home to rest. We're going home to be the men that God has called us to be so that our children will want to follow the things that we value most? And this is what I love about my wife. I love that I, I allowed my pride to not stand in the way. And I gave her permission when our kids were young. I said, sharpen me. Because I will not repeat the dysfunction that I had experienced. And I'll never forget, and I've shared this story multiple times, but it's probably my greatest story. The moment Sue went back to work, because in New Jersey, you have to be a two-income family for most people. And after about a month of driving all my kids to the elementary school and then to the middle school, all of a sudden they got home and they all told on me. They all tattletailed. A bunch of little brats. I mean, seriously, a bunch of little punks all told to me. They said, all daddy does is get on the phone. The moment we get in the car, he's on the phone. The moment then he picks us up, he's on the phone. I'm thinking, like, I'm doing my job. You're working. I'm working. So he's like, who do you have to call at 8 in the morning? You realize. Omar said amen and laughing because I called him. Here's the thing. She goes, you have a window with your children. And you're either going to take it for your advantage or you're going to throw it away. Now grow up. Turn off your phone and talk to your children. Yes, that's how she said it. That's why I love her. And there's a truth there. Our homes, our classrooms. Are you taking every opportunity, men, directed at you? Are you coaching your kids? Are you part of Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and, and Weeblos? Bill, I know you are. If you have kids that are in dance or in our class, are you part of dance classes and our classes? Are you being the tree during the dance recital that no one wants to be? Because I know dads that do that. Are you looking for every opportunity? Are you helping in the plant kids so that you get to have a voice in their children's life? When you have Friday night pizza night, are you taking opportunities to say, hey, let's grab a pizza, let's watch a movie. For a season, we watch Phineas and Ferb every Friday night. Are you? When you're reading a book, do you purposely go into their room while your kids are studying and say, hey, can I read with you? Are you praying with them? Second year of marriage, I've shared, we had a tough, tough time. But we watched this one movie. And in this one movie, they practiced this thing in, in, the, in their home, in their movie home, called Highs and Lows. And so when our kids were little, we started every single day. Tell us your high, tell us your low. Because when they become high schoolers, they're not going to want to sit down and read the Bible with you. So... We partner with the plant kids. We partner with youth group. We partner with mentors. And then what we do is when we can sit down and have dinner, we talk about our highs and our lows. Tell me a high for the day. That means that God's up to something good. Talk about the low. Ooh, the enemy's pushing in this area of the life. Now we know how to pray for them. Happened yesterday. Last night we said, ooh, we got to be a little bit more sensitive to what's going on in one of our children's life. Are you looking for strategies that you're home. We're walkers. My kids, whenever I say, hey, let's go for a walk, they're like, oh, shoot, am I in trouble? Or what does dad want to talk to me about? Right? Are you creating structures? Have you created hobbies? 
things that you don't like, do I get an amen, that they love. So that you have a voice in their life. That's when you get to have gospel moments to repeat and impress because your home is the greatest classroom. And you're not going to do it perfectly. You're not. You're not. You're going to mess up. You're going to screw up. You're going to blow things up. My best gospel moment was two months ago. I totally hurt my child. I said something stupid and, and an off comment and a, and, a, and a joking jab that we all do, right? Dads are dumb. Do I get an amen? Yes? Ashton didn't say that loud. Did you notice that? He didn't say that one loud, right? We're dumb. Men say we're dumb. One, say it loud. We're dumb. We're dumb. You can say it loud. We're dumb. And it, and it didn't register. And Sue's like, you realize you just shattered him. I'm like, come on, toughen up. She's like, no. Two weeks later, two weeks later, it occurred to me through a conversation with someone else, that, wow, I broke his heart. And I went home. And the way that I weep on Sunday mornings, I wept to them and I said, I am sorry. I'm sorry. And he and Sue were like, what the? <laughs> and I just repented. I repented. You see, what Scripture is telling us is that our lives are supposed to be an open book. Our lives are supposed to be an open book. It's not only being people of perfection or people of excellence, but the gospel is not only receiving forgiveness, but granting forgiveness to others. And my son needed me to hear, I was wrong. That was probably the biggest gospel moment for my son that he had had in the last 365 days. Wow, I can trust my dad. It took me two weeks to get there. But it shifted our relationship for what is happening now. I tell my kids my past. Increments. Increments. So that they learn from my mistakes. So that they won't make the same mistakes. And if they do make the same mistakes, they can trust me to come into their life and talk through it and discuss it in such a way that God's going to get glory for it. Amen. So, I'm going to wrap up with this. Families are meant to be one. Families are meant to be one. It's time to stop losing. Anyone need to hear that? It's time to stop losing and getting by. It's never too late. So here's my takeaway. One, when we love the Lord your God with all our being, we make him the center of our home life. Yes. Do your kids value church? Do you value church? Do you value Christian community? Two. When we teach from our lifestyle, you teach from your whole person and you sharpen your children to face a pagan culture. Are you afraid to talk about things with your children? 
If you are, your kids are going to be terrified to come to you to hear truth. We have a different truth than the world has. Can I get an amen for that? The word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. No matter what this culture is telling me, it's not my truth. Nor is it allowed to be my children's truth as they're living under my roof. But I gracefully and lovingly walk through that with them. When you are sensitive to the spiritual life of your children, you will see the fruit of your love for Christ. Biggest highlight, two weeks ago we had our Holy Spirit encounter weekend. Watching my one child and his friends. Watching another child and his friends. Watching another child come up with his friends. Watching another child in the back going crazy for Jesus. And one of them did get COVID after it. But that's okay. And I said, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. At the end of the day, if they love Jesus, that's all that matters. Eternity with a child is the greatest gift we could ever, ever receive. And then lastly, if you are a teen, please be patient with your parents. God is still at crazy work in us. Do I get an amen, teenagers? Right? It's true. It's true. Be patient with us. The same Holy Spirit that's working in you is working in us. Families are meant to be one. No more losing. No more losing. I put my foot down. No more losing. Start winning. And have fun winning. There's nothing worse than someone wins all the time and they're crabby and they're perfectionists. Have fun winning. Have fun celebrating. You were meant to win. And today is your day of grace to go do over. Amen? Holy Spirit, come. Just come. Fresh, fresh work. Fresh fire. Second chances. The Father says over you today, no matter what your past may look like, your present and your future are filled, are filled with promises that are yes. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.